another episode brand archer podcast um looking forward to today as we go into part two on god wants to use your tongue and the gift of tongues is god using your tongue and wanting to focus in on this specific gift because i believe it's been portrayed in a scary way a lot of people have been turned off by um, this gift and for that reason, have not entered in or accepted it or even believe that it's for them. So today I want to kind of try to step on some of those religious cows, maybe maybe uh, shoot some of them <laughs> and uh, destroy them. And this gift is one of the most incredible um, gifts that you can use in your life. And it's not something that is forced on you. It's something that you have to receive by faith, just like your salvation, just like you believing God for provision, you believing God um, that he's actually involved in your life, that he actually hears your prayers, that he actually knows what you need before you ask, that you believe that, that's faith. It's the same thing uh, and the same faith you use to receive this gift of tongues. So let's go ahead and... um, Let's pray and then let's jump into it. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you come and you illuminate our path. But your word is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. The word of God instructs us, corrects us, um, invigorates us, inspires us. Uh, It is the bread of life. And Jesus, you are the bread of life and you are the word. And the word came and dwelt among men. And you, you lived out the word because you were the word. And I don't know how you bring all that together in, in your mind, <laughs> but it's the truth. And it says it. In fact, I'm just going to follow the spirit and I'm going to go to John 1 because I believe I need to read this right now. Because it's important to know that Jesus was actually the word made flesh it came and dwelt among us um god himself and every word he spoke was heavenly i believe i don't believe there was any foul word there wasn't any jesting there wasn't anything that was controversial in the sense of uh coming from a place of gossip or him stirring stuff up he was pure and everything that jesus said was from heaven So let's go ahead and read this. It says, in the beginning, the word was, uh, no, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. I think it's interesting where it talks about the word, but then it starts talking about light and darkness. And how words, uh, actually in Proverbs 18, I think it is, uh, power of life and death are in the tongue. Uh, There's another scripture that talks about 
um, the fruit of your word. You will eat the fruit of your, your words. So what we speak and when we get in alignment with the light, the word of God, right? God himself, when we speak his word, when we get in agreement with what he says about specific things or topics or whatever it is, and we align ourselves with them, there's protection, there's safety, and there's also blessing, peace, joy. And I think that people miss out on a lot of uh, truth or, or freedom or even peace in their life because they don't know the word of God and they don't actually love it. In fact, they love other things more than the word of God. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does when he comes into your life and you know that he actually is in the, the driver's seat is that he begins to, to move you towards the word of God. He begins to give you a hunger and a thirst to want to know the word of God. And he wants to reveal and show you the word of God to bring um, revelation. And it isn't revelation that's weird or bizarre or begins to, to stray away from um, morality or practicality. A lot of people, you know, they get into this whole revelation thing and then they start creating bizarre doctrine and stuff. And I don't think the doctrine of tongues or what the way that I'm going to teach it, there's other, way, there's other ways people teach this and I don't agree with them. But it's what the way I teach it isn't scary. It's not, it's not leading people astray in their morality. It's not telling them, um, you know, you're going to, you know, all of a sudden you're going to start like being, a, you know, a weirdo because you, you pray in tongues. Now, praying in tongues is an exercise of your faith, but it's also a way that you connect with God. That is, that is the main purpose of tongues. It's a language, like we, we talked about last podcast, that God has given man to now have, a, it's a restoration of the one language to where now men can speak to God, and it's between them and God. And people do teach that the devil doesn't understand this language. He understands all the other languages of the world. Right, the devil's not stupid. He doesn't hear somebody speaking Spanish and go, uh, "No comprende." <laughs> he actually understands Spanish. He understands English. He understands um, Russian. He understands, you know. He, but tongues, the heavenly language from heaven, he doesn't understand it, and that's why the carnal mind doesn't understand it. That's why the carnal mind, as we talked about last episode as well, it doesn't understand the things of God and you have to receive them by your spirit and then the way your mind is renewed is when you receive the truth by faith and you begin to operate and actually put it into practice in your life uh, because if you have knowledge just knowledge it'll puff up but if you have love and knowledge and the Holy Spirit working all together then it produces power in your life to actually live for God and to do the things God would want you to do in your life. So let's go ahead and dive in to the message back where we uh, left off. And we know this in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, two, which we read last week, it says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because it, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths hidden things not obvious to the understanding this is the amplified version because he utters secret truths hidden things not obvious to the understanding the, the he's talking about the natural mind the natural understanding and i'm gonna go i don't have this one in here but i i should have put this in here so i'm gonna go to first corinthians uh where is it there we go first corinthians 14 or actually, no, not 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 2. At the end of 2 here. One second. As I turn there. And here it is. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And starting in verse 10. We'll just read from here. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go to six, uh, where it's talking about um, Paul saying, I didn't come to you. And actually, you know what? I'm just going to read. I'm just going to start in two. And we're going to flow. OK. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. 
For I determined to not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he his focus isn't he's trying to know you know all this stuff. He's putting Christ and him crucified at the forefront of knowledge of of understanding that if you were to look at life through the lens of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, right? And the reality of what that is for humanity and and really that our creator came and died on on a cross because of our sin and our failure to be obedient, but he came because of love and died on a cross and then was raised from the dead because because he has power over death and broke the power of sin and our separation between him and ourselves, his, his sons and daughters, because of disobedience and sin, that he broke the power of the of the law, the power of the rule by his own suffering and his own death on the cross. But that there is a heavenly knowledge, a heavenly wisdom that's from God. It's not from the earth. It's not from man's experience. It doesn't come from hell. It doesn't come from uh, pain and bitterness and anger. It comes from pure love. And that's God's uh knowledge and his wisdom and knowing him and him revealing you the secrets and truths of life of the universe right and i'm not talking about weird super spiritual stuff i'm talking about practical heart issues and purpose and your destiny and what god's calling you to do and what that if you look at your life through the lens of jesus christ and him crucified doesn't that totally shift a lot of the way we see things in life Shouldn't it change the way we look at who we are, look at the way we look at other people, the way we look at what's my life supposed to be? What's the meaning of life? How, what, what's my purpose? A lot of people walk around and live with no purpose. They have no desire to even understand it. They just live in this hole of, of, of the pressure of life, right? Of trying to survive, of trying to make it through life. And then what does that look like? And wherever they live or wherever they born, wherever they were born, that becomes their their uh, sphere or almost like a container for them. And all they can see is that little container and that bubble they live in. But with God, God can break you out of your little containment of the world that, that, that makes you seem insignificant, that makes you seem like you don't matter. Like you don't you can't do what other people have done who are great or who have done great things. But you have to just settle into this mediocrity, you know, life that has no significance. And all it is is about making sure that you have what you need and who cares about anybody else as long as you can just scrape by. And that type of mentality is not heavenly. That's hellish. But when God comes in and breaks the mentality off of you and and you see your your lens becomes now seasoned with the cross and the resurrection. Oh, it all comes back to this. And now who am I in Christ? Now who? God, you are, I am a son and daughter of the Most High King. What is your purpose and your assignment for me? And fill me with your power so that I can go out and do what you want me to do. Uh, Where is it? So, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. So they're not, he's not coming from a place of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit, the Holy Spirit and power. And your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So if, if you're struggling over the issue of tongues in your life, Maybe it's because of the the lens that you look through. Maybe it's because of the way that you've been, you know, conditioned and fashioned to see spiritual things. A watered down, weak Christianity will produce watered down, weak Christians, where they just see life through the lens of of where they're at and what they're experiencing. They don't have faith. They don't ever believe God for the for the impossible. They don't ever they don't ever step out or, or put themselves in situations that cause them to have to to stretch them to actually show that their faith is alive and real in God. And he says that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, that the power of God is what it all comes back to in Christianity. It's his power being revealed and shown through our lives. It's not just a text from the, you know. 
Jesus is the word of God, but the word of God is life. It's Zoe. It's the Zoe word. It's not the written word. It's not the, what do they call it? Um, the logos, right? It's logos and dunamis coming together and producing life. And if all you have is logos and letters without the spirit, you have dead religion. But if you have the Holy Spirit and you have the gifts and the movement of God, then you have power, you have demonstration, you have testimony, you have people who are experiencing the supernatural uh, things of God. And there's testimonies being produced even to this day by the millions. People are experiencing God's faithfulness and are exercising their faith, not in men's wisdom, but in, in God's wisdom. In verse six, it says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We're not talking about people who sit in high offices and have something to say because they have a position. And, and now it, one of the greatest examples of foolishness, it doesn't matter the position, right? You can have the highest position in the, in the land and be a fool and, and you can see it right now. And I'm not going to go any further, but that's the truth. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew for if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord, Lord of glory because the spirit they're operating in is demonic. So here we see God doing something that the, if the devil knew what he was doing, he would have stopped it, but he couldn't stop it because God was doing something he didn't know about. And that's why it says, if not, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So now it's talking about what God has pre prepared and has for, for his children, for those who love, who adore him, who want to serve him, who want to bless him, who, who want a relationship with him. He has something special prepared, but it doesn't just stop there. It's saying no eye has seen, no ear has heard, right? But here in verse 10, there's a but. But God has revealed them to us through his Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the gift of tongues is something that is spiritual, and it's a spiritual, it's coming from a place of spiritual wisdom and understanding to enter into a gift where you begin to, out of your mouth, speak words or syllables or whatever you know, dialect or whatever it is that comes out of your mouth, would you believe in your heart? I'm praying in tongues. I've been, I've received the gift of tongues. And when you receive it, you'll know it because you'll, you'll feel a shift in your heart, in your mind. It, it'll, it'll do something. If you're just trying to ba 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 do ba da ba da ba ya ba da ba do, and, and then you're just like, oh my gosh, this is dumb. And you just shut it down. You, you have to open your heart and understand as you do it, you're worshiping God. You're loving the Lord. You're blessing God. And when that gift comes into your mind and heart to say, okay, I wanna, I wanna enter into this, I wanna receive this, well, what if, what if you're operating in the natural? What if you're, you're living your life from this place of, of carnal thinking and all you know is how to view things using your intellect and your sense instead of using faith and trusting God that, oh God, the Bible knows what it's talking about. Not only that, but there's scripture that backs it up right? It, 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 it supports itself. A lot of people think the Bible contradicts itself and all this stuff. It's just nonsense. It's lies so that they can, they can have an excuse to go live how they want to live. And, and, and that means in sin and separate from God. But the reality of the word of God really does, it, there is a support system within the Bible that, that actually uh, is healthy and brings health to your life 
And that itself is a support for sound doctrine. Okay, unsound doctrine actually will bring pain and heartache and disappointment and, and demonic stuff in your life. Sound doctrine actually will produce the, the life of God. Well, what does the life of God look like? It looks like the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, all these things that, that Jesus was an example of, but it also produces the deutimus, the power, the supernatural gifts of God flowing through your life. Now, God's not up there just tricking people. He's just going to wait, oh, wait oh, I'm gonna, boom, and then he just, you know, I'm going to do a gift through this person. No, that person has to be open and has to be filled with God and has to has to move and live in this place with the Lord where he now moves through their life and they're yielded and surrendered to him. That's how God uses men and women. When they say, you know what, God, this person over here, I know they don't know you, but I'm going to go tell them about you and I'm going to pray for them. That's you surrendering to the wisdom of God, to the power of God, and to the spirit of God in your life. As you open your mouth and he'll fill it with his words and he'll also anoint you. That doesn't guarantee you, you know, everyone's going to cheer, be a cheerleader and be like, yay, thank you for preaching to me. Some people will get mad. There will be demonic activity going on because you're you're the light. You're walking in the light. You're the light it came to expose and to shut down the darkness. And when you're walking in that power, there's going to be things in people's lives that are going to start shifting and squirming because you're there, because you're in the room. And they don't want to have to deal with stuff. So instead of dealing with it, they push away from it. And that's, I, I've seen it over and over and over in Christianity. People will go to a certain point, point with spirituality and with God. And as soon as it starts getting in to the, the nooks and crannies of their heart and their attitudes and their thought process and their unforgiveness and their bitterness and their strife, they start squirming and they don't want to have to live that Christianity. They want a Christianity that just says God covers everything. You don't ever have to deal with it. You don't have to look at yourself. You don't have to deal with yourself. You you just focus on Jesus in the cross and and then that just obliterates you know everything. Which he did. He obliterated the power of sin over you. But if you're still dealing with stuff in your life and you don't want to go in and actually let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you about these issues, heart issues, right? Pride, uh Ego, ego, you, you think you're so great and somebody else who thinks they're great enters the room and you get mad at that person because you think that you think they're great. But really it's exposing the ego in your own heart because now you feel deflated because somebody else is thinking they're greater and you're you putting a thing on them where they're like, well, I'm greater than you. And that dynamic just brings contention and all kinds of foolishness in relationships. Anyways, I'm going to get on, off on a rabbit trail here if I'm not careful. So... But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he who knows the mind of the Lord, that for who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So he's talking to Christians that have the Spirit of God in their life. And they do have the mind of Christ. And that mind of Christ comes by faith, but it also comes with you knowing the word of God, with you knowing the truth and, and sound doctrine in your life, that you're living a prayer, that you're having a prayer life. And in that prayer life, it's not just you coming before the Lord for a couple minutes and just saying a little religious prayer, but that there's actually an engagement that you can step into and an intercessor, as an intercessor, step into something that goes beyond the natural and you can get in there and begin to intercede in the spirit and that involves you praying in the holy spirit and praying those mysteries and those speaking those things to god that are that only he knows and understands but then god can then open your heart and your eyes to see the truth about what that situation is by the spirit and as you pray in the spirit it opens you up like a radio station tuning into a channel, tuning into God's channel, right? Holy Spirit channel, God's voice. And that's really what it comes down to is hearing God's voice. And people need to know what God's speaking, not only, you know, in the text biblically so that they can live their life and have sound doctrine, but so they can have direction. 
and instruction. Sometimes, you know, the Bible doesn't answer. Sometimes these these hard choices, life decisions, you know, uh, do I take this job? Do I go this direction? Should I stay here or should I go here? Should I do this? Should I be in this relationship or should I not? You know, should I should I treat this person this way? Should I continue to go down this road when this person is, you know? So there's there's a dynamic there where you need to hear God's voice and hearing God's voice brings direction and it leads you and guides you in your life. And it's something that is confirmed supernaturally where you'll see God show up in the voice. When you hear, I think God's saying, well, then God comes to confirm what he's saying. You don't have to try to confirm it and do some kind of weird super spiritual stuff. You just let God do it by what he by what he does and what he only can do. Amen. Amen. All right. So in Job 33, 14 through 8, it says, For for God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while while slumbering on their beds. Then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. In order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man, he keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. So it's, I believe that God wants to speak to us, but a lot of times we're so dull and weighed down or filled with the world or disconnected from God because A, you're not praying, uh, B, you're not really you know, after it with the Lord. And when you're not in that place, you're open to be deceived. You're open to allow your carnal nature, your flesh, or the, or the spirit of the world to come in and begin to dictate to you and tell you what truth is. And I, I watched this video recently of this guy who, you know, you always have these guys on YouTube that want to start their channel and then go after people, you know. So I was just kind of watching it and I'm like, okay, they're Christian people, right? And they always like to go after other Christians and then start to correct them on YouTube, which I think is so bizarre. But just, I guess, in the hopes that somebody's watching it and then they get all like, you know, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go, yeah, you're right. You're right about that, Christian. Off with, you know, like, it's like we're creating some sort of, I guess it's accountability. I don't know. But I, I did have to agree with him on this one thing because of the article he read. He was talking about Amy Grant. Everybody knows Amy Grant, Christian music from back in the day, right? The song, baby, baby, you hit me with a notion, right? It was like her breakout, like, world song that kind of took her away from the Christian scene because everything else was before that was like, El Shaddai, Adonai, da-da-da-da, you know, like these classic Christian songs. Well, in it, she's t- she's on the cover of a LGBTQ whatever magazine and basically supporting gay lifestyle. And a guy on there talking about him being, he's active homosexual, but he has a relationship with God and God just accepts him, accepts him the way he is and there's no there's no issue there for it. You can be you, and God loves you just the way you are. And it's just total false baloney. And then I can't remember if she said this or if it was the other guy, but you're saying, yeah, I be- I refer to God as she to 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 break down the patriarch. The the I guess the it's like an attack on God being you know cons- viewed as a man or something because then it gives man the greater pos- I don't know. It's just it's nonsense. Is is what I'm saying. It's a bunch of baloney. It's nonsense. It has nothing to do with the word of God. It's just somebody being steered away from the truth because of her fame, her money, her relationships, the friendship she's trying to keep, her 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 uh, image, right? And that image is more important. So she's got to she's got to twist the truth to fit into an image and and just keep a, a, a friendly relationship with homosexuals. Or with LGBTQ, you know, transgender, whatever. So for what reason? What's the point of that? So that they can go to hell? Because I don't understand the point. You loving them into a, a place of deception isn't love. That's actually you're not only showing your own fear and weakness and that you have the fear of man on your life, but that you're trying to cater to something that God is, is actually wanting to bring a division to, in to say, hey, this is not me. Because really, you're just saying, oh, God doesn't care. God, you know, he doesn't care. But in reality, it's like, no, God does care about sin. He cares about Amy Grant, your husband, going and having an affair and cheating on you. Okay? Like, just like he cares that two men 
want to start like being sexual together. It's not two men loving each other and having like a David and Jonathan relationship. And there's people who twist that story and try to say, oh, well, they were gay. And that, it's such bull crap. It's just two men who were like brothers who loved each other. Just like in the war, you had these uh, in World War Two, you had platoons or whatever war. And the, those men would have such a bond that they they saw they lost people together. They cried together. They they had to protect each other. There was such a bond created and a love created in that time. But I guarantee you, okay, I, I'm not going to go down that road because it's not going to be pretty if I go down that road. But it's just foolishness. It's sexual immorality, and it comes down to that perversion. It's not about men loving other men. There's no problem with the man loving another man. It's when you get sexual with it and perverted with it. Just like you, a, a, a person who is uh, directing that towards a child. It's called perversion. It's called pedophilia or towards an animal. Bestiality. It's the same concept. It's wicked because it's a perversion of where you're supposed to actually put that romantic eros love that's that's holy under god's um marriage the marriage covenant let it burn let it let it fly have the the marriage bed is undefiled go for it like as long as there's consent have fun and and have a blast but if you take it out of that context and then now it just becomes fornication and your lust and your sexuality running your life and that's what god's dealing with is that that's the issue. It has nothing to do with actual love. It's perversion. Um, so people have a hard time hearing God because they don't want to hear what he has to say when it comes down to it. People, So then they have to create their own version of what God said, and it's actually a lie, and it's demonic. It's actually what the devil's speaking to them. So that can happen even at the level of, of this tongue thing. The devil could come in and get you so twisted off that you miss out on the gift that God is wanting to to use in your life, to use your tongue, that you actually are learning how to surrender and yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit, which is the one who's going to speak through you and minister through you to other people as you step out and grow in your faith. Growing in Christianity isn't just knowing the Bible and reading through it in a year. Knowing Christianity isn't you just having a a religious lifestyle, right? Christianity is about you being used by God to do something in the earth before he returns. That God would use your life to, to, to minister to people and to show them who Jesus is by the power and the word and the love of God, all these things operating together in your life to actually point people to heaven and win souls and see people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I believe that that is the purpose for every Christian. It's not just creating some channel that you can go after other Christians. It's like if that's all you're doing and you don't have a personal, uh, like a discipleship relationship or you're going after it with souls, like getting people saved, then your channel is pointless. Anyways. All right. So let's get back to this. So I believe also that God can speak to us in dreams and visions. And I believe that the gift of that praying in tongues actually opens you up to the supernatural. Uh, It's the gateway to the supernatural. So as you begin to speak in tongues and exercise your faith in that area, visions and dreams aren't, aren't far off. And I know God can still speak to people in dreams without them praying in tongues. I'm not saying he can't. But it will, it will even be more of an experiential thing for you as you get closer to God in this, in this way because it opens you up to the supernatural. Now you can prophesy. You'll be able to hear God's voice clearer. It just it brings an added benefit because you're sh- training your flesh to shut up and to just let your tongue be used by the Spirit of God to pray and to speak yeah, it doesn't make sense when you're when you start going. When I when I do that, I'm not thinking. This is what I'm going to say to to Jerry down the street. When I do that, I, my mind is on the Lord, and I'm pressing into God, and I'm pushing into the Spirit of God, and I'm saying, God, come 
and have your way in my life. God, come be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my tongue. Use my tongue to glorify you. Isaiah 6, 8 and 10. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing but never understand. Be ever seeing but never perceive. Make the heart of this people callous. Make their ears dull or close their eyes. Otherwise they might see that with their eyes and hear with their ears. Understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And that, that... He's not talk, He's not telling him to go say. Uh, he's actually wanting them to go and actually speak the truth, but it's saying that they're they're ever hearing but never understand. They're ever seeing but never perceive, meaning they have ears to hear and they have eyes to see, but they can't hear and they can't see because they're dull, because they've been weighed down, and their ears they can't. Their hearts won't understand because they're so. Uh, the enemy's got such a veil and such a. Uh, uh, they're they're toxic intoxicated by the world and by the flesh and when you're intoxicated you can't be sober and vigilant to actually walk in the spirit you're going to be weighed down intoxicated and intoxication isn't just alcohol and drugs intoxication can be uh anything the world has to anything that's not god right you can be just intoxicated with going to the home store and wanting to buy furniture (laughs) <laughs> or you could be intoxicated with shopping and you need to go buy and spend money and, and buy stuff because you think stuff's going to make you happy. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make you happy and you just want more stuff. And that, that could be an intoxication in your life because it's, it's overpowering your desire and what you, want, what you actually need in your life. And there's people that don't struggle with, with drug addiction, but they struggle with other addictions that society goes, oh, it's okay because it's not this. But it keeps them from God's fullness and it keeps your, your job, your work can become your intoxication. And you think your life is just, it's all about your work and what you need to do. Your family suffers, you suffer, and your relationship with God suffers because you're putting this idol of, of your need to, to make money or to be successful, really. I, I've got to do it and I gotta, I'm going to do it so great and I'm going to be the greatest and you spin your wheels and you're tired and you're busted and you're, you're struggling and you're far from God, you're angry, you're, you're disappointed, you're walking around with all these feelings and there's no God at the center. Let me tell you something, you can work harder and get a lot further in your life with God. But when you don't have him and you're trying to do it on your own, you can work hard and, and work as many hours as, you know, more hours than anyone on the earth and still end up with nothing and still end up spent, and exhausted old sicknesses and diseases in your life because you work too you work too hard some kind of complex or even you know needing medication because you're overworked and God wants to come in and anoint you and equip you and to do his work and that doesn't mean people go quit their jobs what i'm saying is that he'll he'll even anoint you and equip you for the work that you are doing that provides for your family that brings provision that God will get get upon that effort and you you can get a lot further with him in the amount of time than you can trying to do it on your own amen and the holy spirit praying in the spirit is all a part of it It all comes into play if you're on your job and you're in construction you got to get up and drive you know to to a a, um, a job spend that time to pray in the spirit i have to commute i i pray in the spirit as i'm driving and i'm not saying like every time i'm in there the whole time doing it but there are times where I'll, I will take 20 minutes, sometimes right when I get in there, just to get my mind and my heart in the right place, and I'll pray in the Holy Spirit. And then it shifts, my mind shifts, my thoughts start going towards the Lord, it starts going, going towards other things than maybe my problems or the stress or the issues or, or the things I'm worried or fearful or concerned about. God begins to put my mind on Him. And the Bible says, he who keeps his mind on Him, he will keep in perfect peace. He will keep him in peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Amen. All right, next one. It says, uh, they were dull. So Matthew 13, 9, I I, kind of touched on some of these last week. So I'm going to kind of go over this one. Let's see. Verse 12 says, whoever has spiritual knowledge to him, more will be given. So 
let's just go ahead and read it. He who, he who has ears to hear, let him listen, be listening, and let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. This is the amplified version of Matthew 13, 9. He who has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. And he's not talking about just hearing like you would go hear a concert or you would go hear uh, some show or, or somebody, a conversation you're having. This is you hearing from the inside. This is you hearing from the depths of your being. I want to hear. And as I hear, you're, you're not just hearing, you're catching. Because some of the things of God, it's not about teaching. Because you can teach people till you're blue in the face and then walk away not transformed or changed. And they have information and knowledge. How many, how many notebooks do Christians have? And they're just notebooks and notebooks, but they still have the same issues in their life. They're still struggling with the same problems. But they got notebooks and notebooks and been to conferences and learned a bunch of stuff. But they're still struggling because... It needs to come, they need to catch it. It needs to get down on the inside of them like the Holy Spirit. And they need to know how to yield and surrender to God in these areas of their life. And praying in the Spirit is a part of, of that. Um, then, and, and also a part of you opening your spiritual ears. You want to hear better God? Spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. Tell God, I'm, gonna, I'm not moving until I get this gift. I'm not going to step forward into my Christianity another moment until I get the, uh, the gift of tongues. And when you know the benefit of it in your life, you're going to want it. Just like the salesman comes down the road and says, you're going to want this new vacuum cleaner. It does this. It does that. You know, this old vacuum cleaner you have, let me show you. This that only does this. But this new one, let me tell you, it's souped up. You can do this. You can, it has arms. You can stretch out. You can reach up here. It can clean this. It can, it can, pick, up, <laughs> it can pick up bolts off the... You know, have you seen those ones where they show the vacuum cleaner's suction power and it's like picking up bolts and metal and steel? And that's literally what it's like with the Holy Spirit. It's like, oh, you have this Christianity model of this is how you view Christianity. But let me tell you, you can have a Christianity that will suck up bolts off of the floor. <laughs> in, the, in the context of it's a power gift to come into your life, to activate, to, to increase and to amplify all the things that are spiritual uh, that God wants to give you and flow through your life. Then the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And even Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in mysteries. He wanted, there was meaning behind meaning. And we talked about this last week. And he replied to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets. To you it has been given to know the secrets and mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever, for whoever has spiritual knowledge to him, more will be given and he will be furnished richly so that he will have abundance. And I believe this spiritual, this, what he's talking right here is a part of you opening up your life to that, to that gift operating in your life. It opens you up to more of God and that you will be richly furnished so that you will have abundance from him who has not even, and for, for him who has not, even what he has will be taken from him. So when you just, you want to sit with your little religious spirituality and think that's all, that's it, that's all God has for you and it's just so uh, watered down and lukewarm and, and mediocre and this is it and you want to live with that, even that will be taken from you. You'll have no power. You'll be a form of godliness but having no power. And this is the reason that I speak to them in parables because having the power of seeing, they do not see. And having the power of hearing, they do not hear nor do they grasp and understand. In them indeed is the process of fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, you shall indeed hear and hear, but never grasp and understand. And you shall indeed look and look, but never see and perceive. For this nation's heart has grown gross, fat and dull, and their ears heavy and difficult of hearing. In their eyes, they have tight, tightly closed, lest they should see and perceive with their eyes and hear and comprehend the sense with their ears and grasp and understand with their heart and turn and I should heal them. And that's basically talking about the scripture we just read. But that, that's Jesus quoting that scripture and talking about the reason why I speak in parables because you can look at a story and just, and just see the story, but if you go behind the, the meaning of it and you try to find the moral of the story, right? The whole uh, thing about the Saturday cartoons back in the day, they'd always have this and the moral of the story was this, right? And the G, remember the G.I. Joe ones, if you're of my generation, you know, it was like 
knowing is half the battle, right? And then there's the other part of it, which was the battle. But knowing and having understanding and knowledge and perceiving and hearing and grasping with your heart was is half the battle. The other part is the actual battle. It's the fighting. It's the going after. But the the knowing God and knowing his heart and the mysteries and, and stepping into that arena with him supernaturally, I believe is the other part of the battle. And then Romans 8, 7, 9 says, Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Because the carnal mind is an enemy against God. It's an enemy. It, 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 that's the whole flesh nature. The carnal, the carnal mind, the, the unrenewed mind, the mind that is not surrendered to God, that, that still craves the sin and, and the um, debauchery of the flesh or whatever it is. Like, and you can, let's just, let's just use an example of a diet of somebody needing to be disciplined in their health. I remember watching this show. What was it like? An, it was like a, people were the strangest addictions. I think it was the title or something like that, but they would interview these people that had these insane addictions. Sometimes you're thinking, are they making this stuff up? They had some lady that would like take beach or bleached baths. Like she would put bleach in water and then she would, you know, butt naked, get in the bath and, and bathe in bleach. And then another one was this guy put syrup on all and on, on everything. He put it on his spaghetti. He put it on, on his hamburgers. And then there was a guy who ate um, cheeseburgers every day. And they had to get him to like to change to make it more healthy. They had to get him <laughs> to put lettuce and tomato on the burger. And that was a hard thing for him. So this is the this is the. Um, where the, the, the carnal mind goes, the stupidity of humanity in the carnal mind, the debased mind that is unrenewed, that has no God living in it. And them thinking, well, I'm just going to keep doing it and there's nothing wrong with it. Like the lady that eats, there was one of the ladies that would eat like, um, not glass, but like, what is it? Um, pottery, like, like she would, the clay, the pottery clay, she had addiction to eating it. She put it in her mouth and break it up and chew it. And you're like, oh my gosh, you want to like just reach in and in the name of Jesus, let her go, loose her and let her go. That she has to have an addiction of eating, like even people who they would eat hairballs or something. Like you guys go back and watch this show, go look up this show. And if it's if it's all made up, okay, then I'm, you know, then I'm wrong. But I, I believe that some of these are true because I've met some pretty crazy people who have some pretty crazy addictions. So this is the example of the carnal mind. This is, this is where the mind goes. And the same thing with like intervention. And you see people who are just in, in this, they're separate from the Lord. They're separated from God or hoarders. There's another show, hoarders, where you walk into somebody's house and it's, it looks like a garbage can and, they ha and, and they're living in a pigsty and they're okay with it. And it smells like crap. Well, that comes back to what? The carnal mind, that's an, an evidence, an example of the carnal mind, the unrenewed mind. That's how, that's how debased and gross it can, it can get. And that, that's an enemy to God. God's will and his way is not for people to be hoarders. It's not for people to take maple syrup and, and, and put all that that's going to kill them or for all you ever eat in your life is cheeseburgers. It's bad for you. Right, God's that's that's against God's desire and and will for your life. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to eat healthy. He doesn't. He's he's not he's not going to not love you because you don't eat healthy. But he definitely it's going to show up in your life. You're going to see the unhealthy in your body. You're going to feel it in your in your mind and your heart. All that stuff it, it affects you, and that's that shows you. Oh, this is God's God's one who brings life and health and healing. He doesn't bring. Uh, death and destruction. The devil does. He's the one that still kills and destroys. But Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And that abundant life is only found in the spirit of God, in the Holy Spirit. And you need your mind to be renewed to the spirit of God and not live in a carnal mind. Everyone 
who, who hates God, who is an atheist, who is agnostic, or who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is operating out of that mind, that mindset. It's an enmity against God. And even Christians who are saved and redeemed and believe in Jesus still have the carnal mind running their life in many areas because they have not disciplined themselves to get into a place of having a spiritual uh, relationship with God that goes beyond just the religious, I showed up to church on Sunday and heard some guy you know, say a couple words about the Bible and then I went back to my life and there was no transformation. There was no encounter with God. There was no, there was no um, truth coming in, right? Like the guy coming into the church who loves maple syrup on a spaghetti and then somebody coming up to him because it's a spirit-filled church and saying, hey, I have, I have a word for you. If you don't stop the way you're eating, you're going to die because the Lord's showing me that you have an unhealthy life. And I'm talking about somebody who, you know, doesn't know the man or doesn't know the guy's story, but just comes up to him with a word of knowledge. And then that guy goes, oh, my gosh, how does he know I put syrup on all my food? You know, that type of thing. And that's just that's just a silly example. But it, that's the way that God will work in your life. He will break in and and speak to you through people who are yielded to the Holy Spirit in supernatural ways that confound you. Not It doesn't even give the person the glory. You might look at the person like, wow, how'd they know that? But really what happens is you go, wow, God knows it. God sees and God's real. And he, he wants to speak to me. And he wants to break through my carnal mind and break through the foolishness of my flesh and speak to me. And sometimes we can't hear because we're so dull that it takes somebody full of the spirit, full of God to come in and to speak into our life and to speak truth. And it's up to us to yield and to surrender to that. And if we do, we're not just surrendering to somebody who had a word, we're surrendering to God because it's God's spirit working through that person. Amen. Uh, Romans eight twelve. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And so be, and if so, we be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So the suffering isn't even, it's not just about the suffering. It's about being glorified with God, even after the suffering. Um, hold on, let me go back to this part here. It says, therefore, brethren, we are there is not to the flesh to live after the flesh. And that you having the gift of praying in the spirit opens you up to understand even more the battle of the flesh. Because it's a weapon that you have now that you can use when temptation comes, when the flesh comes knocking at your door and you're wanting to go left and the spirit's going, come on, let's go right. You don't go left, let's go right. And you're like, but I really want to go left. And your will and your, and your heart is going left. And then you go, you know what? I'm going to yield right now and I'm going to pray in the spirit. And as you pray in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden that desire to go right gets stronger. That desire to go right becomes even more prevalent and clarity comes to your spirit. And you go, okay, I'm going right. I know this is what God wants me to do. So you yielding to God in those moments isn't just you, you know, <clears throat> you know some people have that willpower to, to be like, no. And some people need to exercise faith to get the willpower. And that comes by praying in the spirit. And that's my opinion. And I believe that opinion comes from heaven. And it's not just and the word of God. It's not just me pulling it out of a hat. Uh, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's another thing the Holy Spirit does and this praying in the spirit will do. It'll, it'll amplify that in your heart. You will feel the, that, that cry Abba part, that whereby we cry Abba, Abba, right? There's a, there's a, I need you, God. I love you, Lord. Abba, daddy, right? God, you're my God. I love you. I need you. Use my life. Do what you want to do with my life, Lord, with my family. Abba, come, come. Be the Lord. Be, be, do whatever you want. Let it be your will, Abba, right? Jesus, I believe, had that same cry when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane. Abba, not my will, but your will be done. 
because I love you and I want to do what you're asking me to do. Isaiah 28, 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith we, ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So a lot of this idea of receiving the things of God and stepping into the supernatural has to do with hearing. It has to do with you being able to receive and hear from heaven and hear from God. You have to know that it's a safe thing, that it's a good thing, that it's something that God has given to his believers to benefit their life, to bless them. It's not there to make you weird and to take from you. It's there to actually amplify. And, and it's like the Bible says some 30, 60, 100 fold. God's all about multiplication. And when you open up more of your life to him, He's going to multiply the spiritual things in your life. They're, you're going to see, you're going to have more experiences, more encounters. You're going to feel God even greater. You're going to know his word greater. You're going to have a hunger and a passion to do his will more than your own. You're not going to let the devil come in and tell you lies about yourself or your family. You're going to notice them because you're going to be sensitive to the spirit and not just let some doctor tell you and lie to you. And say, this is, this is what the doctor says, but I'm not believing the report of the doctor. I'm believing what the word of God says, and that's more important. And you're not going to give the word of God that place when you're just weighed down with mediocrity and lukewarm Christianity. You'll just, you'll fold to what a doctor says all day, every day, and just, there'll be no fight in you to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stand on God's word and go and go with what God says about my life and future and not what the doctor says or some freaking counselor or some freaking, you know, demonic medium or some other spiritual thing that people open their lives to or the, or the freaking, uh, <laughs> the stars in the sky, right? I'm a Leo, I'm a this, astrology and all that nonsense. And your, your horoscope, horror scope, right? It's horror. It's, it's ridiculous. People will literally, and it's easier for them to go to that than to actually press into God and believe God that they have a supernatural way to connect with him. But you'll have, I've even seen Christians who actually buy into that crap and they'll go and listen to a medium. In fact, I was watching, um, I was in a, yeah. So I went to go, I think I was giving blood, or I was getting a blood test done because I'd gone to the doctor and I had to get these blood tests done for them to see, okay, am I healthy or not, right? You give like every, if you go to like a annual physical, they always want to take your blood so they can read all your, you know, your vitamins and all this stuff that's going on in your body. And they can see a lot of stuff just by looking at your blood. Well, I'm sitting in this place and I'm looking up at TV and Ellen is on TV. And Ellen is blatantly on there, just starts giving a testimony about how she, in her career, because she came out, she was on a TV show back in the 90s or 80s and it was a successful show, but she came out on the show as gay. And this was back in the time where the, it was kind of, you know, it was, it was basically, they she got canceled because of it and it kind of ruined her it ruined her career I guess in that in that show well later on down the road she's in this place in her life and she's struggling and she wants you know she wants to be in show business and then she goes and sees this medium or this psychic and the psychic tells her oh this is what's going to happen and then this and then this is what's going to happen and it literally happened she be this TV show she had, the Ellen Show, was all told to her by a by a medium, by by a demonic spirit that she was going to be on this show and it was going to be this successful show and 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 it literally made her you know, I mean known all over the world, but it, her career went to another level for sure. But that's that's that that does that's not going to get her anywhere closer to God. That's actually going to pull her. And everyone that's watching her away from the Lord. And now all these women are going to go seek mediums. And because she's literally promoting it on her, on her national TV show, the Ellen show, that, hey, spiritual, spiritual things are real and psychics are real and you should go see one. Demonic, 
evil, satanic. That's the devil working for the devil's, on the devil's behalf to lead people astray. That's the devil speaking to somebody who's already full of the devil, who already has the devil lying to them about their sexuality and then making it happen and bringing her, her dreams. Like he said to Jesus, I'll give you all this. You want the world? I'll, get, I'll make you a ruler. And that's the devil does. He has the ability to make people rich and famous. You know, you, that old saying, you want to sell your soul to the devil. I think there's some truth in that. I don't think he really shows up and, and has you sign a contract, but there's definitely truth uh, in that, selling your soul. Let, like saying, screw God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to the enemy to make me successful. And the end of it is death. The end of it is bitterness, is, is, is gall. You're going to end up with gnashing and, and you're, you're going to end up away from God. So that's pretty scary because God is, trust me, he's way better and, and uh, incredible. And the devil has nothing on him. You can't offer me this stuff in the world and the pleasures of this world when there are pleasures, heavenly pleasures that far exceed anything the devil could ever produce for you in your life. God can, that's the thing about the real heaven, spirit of God, Holy Spirit moving in your life, man. It'll, it'll cause you to become so, um, just, what do you call it? Um, fascination with God. You'll, you'll be, um, where you have a obsession. You just, you fall in love with the Lord. You're, you're in love with God and you cannot Stop thinking about him. You want to be with him. You want to, him to touch your life. You want to feel his presence. You want to be, you want to hear about uh, more about him. You want to learn more. There's just a hunger that begins to, to happen on the inside of you. And you rejoice when you see people experience him. And, and you rejoice when you see people come to know him. In Acts 10, 44, I'm going to stop here. And I guess there's going to be a part three because I still have more to go. I didn't even get to 1 Corinthians 14 yet. And that's where I'm going to really go into reading about that, uh, the gift of tongues. But this is just, you know, this, this is me kind of filling it out and showing you the bigger perspective of what this is. It's not just 1 Corinthians 14 and a couple verses that you go, okay, this is what's going to be the deciding factor. No, it, all of it comes together. The word of God is there to support the word of God. It's there to to, to fill it out, to like, like a parable would as you read it and study it and you find hidden meaning and mysteries and, and those things begin to open you up to more of God, to, to more of the things of God. That's a good sign and that is a good uh, indication that you're on the right track, that when you start to hunger and actually want more of him and be, be more and more of him in your life and in your decisions, that's a good sign. That means the spirit of God is working. But when it begins to push you away, and you begin to like become dull, that's the devil working in your life. That's the enemy working um, to, to get you away from God. And that comes sometimes from with inside people's hidden crap that's going on in their heart. Uh, <clears throat> Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many came with, came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard him speak with tongues and mag- they heard they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. This is um, Peter's at Cornelius's house and he's ministering, and then as he's ministering, the the him Cornelius and his entire household get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to magnify God. They begin to glorify God. Then Peter. Peter answered and said, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. And I think Peter's just, he's doing, because usually, you know, people get baptized in water, then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. But this is God showing you, oh, you can actually get baptized in the Holy Spirit before you're baptized in water. That it can happen that way. In fact, that happened for me. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit before I ever went under the water. Before I ever was did that that um, traditional, you know, have somebody dunk you and then say in the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit, I baptize you, raised with Christ, right? That 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 is actually 
a, a significant, it's spiritual, but it's spiritual just like baptism of, of the Holy Spirit. It's something you receive by faith. Because what does it mean like for somebody to go underwater and come back out? They just took a bath for people in the world like who don't have a spiritual mind. Oh, you just, you're, you're going underwater and you're getting, you're getting wet and you're coming. No, there's a spiritual meaning to it that, that goes beyond just the action of going under the water. And that's why we practice it in its a ordinance. Baptism in water, and then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they both are important. In fact, the Holy Spirit baptism, I would say, is more important because that actually involves the Holy Spirit coming in and now you learning how to yield control to him as he comes in and, and you have a relationship with him by faith. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and stop there. And then I have, we'll probably do one more and that should, that should uh, get me to 1 Corinthians 14. But the, the praying in the spirit and in tongues, and there's different, you know, people say there's three or four different versions of what a tongue is. There's the, the tongue that is, you speak when you're speaking in another language and somebody hears it and goes, hey, that's my language. Or you're just praying in tongues and the other person just hears another language, but really you're just praying in tongues, but they're hearing it by the spirit that it's what their language because God's wanting to speak to them. That's another one. And then there's your prayer language where you're, where you're praying and interceding and you're speaking before the Lord, which is, which, I, which is what I believe Paul, when he's talking about, I pray in tongues more than you all, he was talking about that. He wasn't talking about I'm I'm praying in tongues and somebody's interpreting it or somebody's coming in and you know uh, somebody who's as a foreigner is I'm speaking in their language and they're discerning and hearing me speak it. He's not talking about the, those manifestations. He's talking about what I'm talking about, which is praying in the spirit and allowing this heavenly language to flow out of you in your prayer life, in your worship in your time alone with God and in your and you doing that begins to uh, draw you closer and open you up even more to the supernatural and the things of God flowing through your life and to your life in Jesus name. Lord, I, I bless you. I thank you for every hearer and God, I ask Lord that their hearts would be open. Just like I said in the beginning of this podcast, when I started, those who have he- ears, let them hear what you're speaking, not what Brandon is speaking not about the Brandon Archer podcast and let's go hear what Brandon Archer, no, it's really God, those who have ears, let them hear what God you're speaking because I believe God, you filled me with your Holy Spirit. You've put your truth in me and God, I wanna get it out so that other people can receive and hear and, and partake and have it in their life. And God, I pray that right now, Lord, that every word that, that is from heaven will stick, will, will go in, it will produce fruit in their life but what is carnal, what is of me, God, will die and be fruitless. But what is of you and of your spirit, God, will produce fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. In Jesus' name, amen. Time, 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 you, 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 you. Yeah, I want to spend all my time.